My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this programme will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on the programme today by Thomas Novak. Uh, Thomas, very warm welcome to you and by all means, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, likewise, immense pleasure for us having you on the uh, the show as well. And uh, to those listeners tuning in that may not be familiar with Thomas and what he does, he's an extremely experienced business leader with a demonstrated history of working in the renewable energy and environment industry. Um, he's the incumbent Secretary General of the European Heat Pump Association, the industry body which represents the interests of that sector on an international level. And he's also the owner and founder of his own renewables business, Green Rater GmbH, and specialises in consulting on heat pump and systems integration at Carnot Consulting UG. Um, so plenty on your plate there, uh, Thomas, and a huge history of working in renewables. Um, and I think it would be good to go sort of right back to the beginning of that journey just to start with. Um, what was it initially that kind of got you into that sector and specifically into leadership roles as such, when did it become clear that that was going to be your pathway, as it were? Oh, that's an interesting question, Scott, and, and maybe it, it would warrant for a much longer discussion. But I can say that I have been always interested in, uh, in nature, always been interested in how to uh, create a society that is more environmentally friendly and compatible with the circular um, circular processes that you can find in in nature, uh, and then, then I mean, some time passed, and I studied actually business uh, economic uh, business administration and, and economics, and I because I thought that it would always be helpful to understand where the money flows go that will actually have to finance this change towards a more environmentally friendly industry. So a few years later, I had the opportunity to work in a company that was that was doing projects in the Mediterranean that were uh, subject to renewable energy deployment. Mm. Uh, they also had some other environmentally friendly projects such as uh, circular economy production processes or water, seawater desalination. And one of these projects was on heat pumps. And my task was to write a report on the future potential of geothermal heat pumps. And initially I had to uh, turn this down because I felt that there was just not enough information. This was uh, in the early 2000s. And then I looked into it in more, with more detail and actually found some data that I thought could be useful and built an Excel model by myself and then made a, a forecast and thought this is actually really an interesting technology and an interesting industry. And then I just handed this in and nothing happened afterwards. But a few years, a few months later, I received a call by the European Heat Pump Association. At that time, their secretary called me and said, we read, we read your report. That was quite interesting. If you can write things like this, would you mind working for us? Would, we, would you be interested? And I said yes to that. And ever since then, the, the industry grew, the association grew, and it became really a bit of my, my pet child to make this grow because I'm fascinated by the technology. I'm fascinated by this idea that you have a technology that can produce heating and cooling at the same time. And quite early in my career, I thought it's actually quite surprising that a lot of people need cooling and then the waste heat to produce that cooling is discharged into the environment without uh, any use. And we see this now. We see that cities are heating up. More cooling equipment is 
deployed, as installed and deployed, without considering what to do with the waste heat. So maybe there's a next step also in my career to push more on this topic, to make use of waste heat and to, uh, to develop uh, a circular energy economy. Yeah, and when, mm. did I, when, did, when did I know uh, that this would be a leadership career? Well, it's, it's actually, I would say it, it's, uh, it developed into this uh, organically. We, as an association, there has never been a cutoff point where I would have said, okay, now my task has been completed. Now I, I don't know what to do next. Every year there was a new challenge. Of course, we have been following the different pieces of legislation, the Renewable Energy Directive, Eco-Design, the Energy Efficiency Directive, all these things that are happening in Brussels. So basically, what, what my task was, on the one hand, to look into these pieces of legislation. On the other hand, uh, to make sure that the association was staffed sufficiently and had enough resources to actually do this work. So I always had a dual role in the very beginning of looking at the legislation myself and then also making sure that in a, in a business development perspective, you could say that we, we are growing fast enough to ensure proper coverage of the legislative part. And of course, today it's completely different. And we employed more people. We have now 14 people with, we are hiring again. And we think that there is much more to be done and there's, there's so many more opportunities that we are not at all at the end of this development cycle. Maybe we leave mm. it here for the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine there's sort of a great way to go to sort of developing the full potential, certainly of the, uh, the heat pump side of things. And I think we've been sort of made more acutely aware of the real urgency of sort of the transition to the green economy, to renewable energies by the impact of the last couple of years with the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's really sort of made us very aware that the next major emergency that we need to sort of all come together and take on is going to be the uh, the climate emergency. So do you think that the impact of the pandemic has given an extra impetus for renewables and we're now sort of far more focused on moving the sector forward. Yes, certainly. It's actually three things that are um, not necessarily mutually accelerate at the moment. We have, on the one hand, the climate crisis that has governed uh, energy and climate policy for a very long time, despite the fact that if you look at the different reports of the IPCC, then the CO2 emissions is actually increasing. So despite the fact that we can say we have now 22 years of work behind us as European Heat Pump Association, maybe the impact has been small. Then, of course, COVID has, first, everybody has, has, has slowed things down. That was, that's at least what we expected in the beginning. But it turned out that people staying at home and people out of a sudden not going on holidays and looking at what would be the the proper environmental climate of my house, they concluded that maybe a new heating system is a good idea and a photovoltaic system. And, and so they actually invested into making the buildings better. So 2021 was one of the best years of the industry. We looked at 34% annual growth year over year compared to 2020. Mm. Of course, there is now a slowdown from this uh, from, from COVID because it didn't continue. And a lot of... Um, a lot of um, stakeholders in the value chain were not that optimistic and did not order uh, in an optimistic manner. So today we are looking at quite a slowdown in, in the growth of the industry. And then, of course, the, the war that Russia waged on Ukraine, that mm -hmm. is probably the biggest 
accelerator for public opinion and the recognition that we do not want to to continue to be reliant on uh, on Russian oil and gas. But I guess it's fair to say that this will lead to the whole society not wanting to be relying on oil and gas uh, in general, independent of the source. So there is there is on the political level a very immediate action item that says let's let's stop the dependency on Russian oil and gas. But my personal perspective would be that if we have executed that and if we are successful in replacing these 155 million cubic meters that we are currently importing as Europe, I'm not sure about the the detailed system boundary here, if it's only the European Union or if it's all Europe, but anyways, it's quite a large number. So if we aim, if we successfully can replace this oil and gas for Europe, that means that the future is by and large, at least in the heating sector, oil and gas free, because the alternatives will then undergo such a fast development trajectory that I cannot imagine that somebody would want to go back beyond that, uh, that point. I think you make a very, very good point there. I think what's happening in Ukraine has really sort of brought energy security up on the agenda, hasn't it? And it's really sort of reminded us with quite a substantial shock that we've got to move away from not just, of course, Russian oil and gas supplies, but also oil and gas supplies in general. And by looking into renewables, that's the way that you're going to have a secure energy supply, isn't it? So this is very much the way forward. And now it's about making sure that the industry does develop at the pace that's necessary. No, absolutely. I think this this is true. And, and maybe if we look at uh, other factors that are actually mutually accelerating and mutually positively influencing the development, then this is the whole development around photovoltaic and wind, uh, green electricity sources, and also electric mobility. And we see that if somebody starts to consider to put photovoltaic on their roof, or if they start by uh, buying an electric vehicle, that then that makes them more sensible towards the benefits of electrification. And then you see that they start by saying, oh, now I have photovoltaic on my roof. Uh, This is something that gives me typically a surplus. What am I doing with that surplus? And the answer could be I will install also an electric heating system and and it could be a direct, uh, an, an electric compression heat pump. And so then this creates demand. And it creates demand not only for the products, but also for system integration services because you need to have a smarter building. You need to have a building that can, in the most ideal case, connect to the grid and benefit both from your own electricity tariff, which is your photovoltaic system, but also from to be offered services by utilities and by aggregators. Uh, you're mainly focused on the UK, I understand, and there you have mm. two uh, companies that are actually offering these type of services, flexible electricity prices that that you can then use and and heat your house or charge your car in at times of of low price electricity and then avoid doing so at times of high price and the heat pump system is able to do that because both the building serves as a thermal storage but also quite often you have a a sanitary hot water storage or a buffer tank and both of them can also serve as storage and then the building itself with its thermal mass is, uh, is is serving the same purpose And once, of course, you make that initial investment of, you know, making your house smart and sort of 
renewable energy friendly, you find that, you know, the long term effects, particularly when it comes to being economical and saving money are vast, aren't they? Because ultimately you're getting hold of very cheaply sourced and renewable energy. So at times like this, where energy prices are skyrocketing, you'll be able to avoid that, won't you, essentially? Yes, yes, you will. It takes this initial investment and it takes uh, maybe also uh, a bit of renovation, more or less, depends on the building envelope and how the building is set up today. Um, you, you may have to do some cavity wall insulation, some attic insulation, maybe put in a new door, replace a few radiators or uh, a few windows. And then if you put in these, these additional pieces of kit, um, maybe a battery, a photovoltaic panel, uh, and, and this controls unit, then yes, indeed, you're able to hedge the risk of energy price increase by, your, by yourself with your own installations. And then we haven't even talked about vehicle to grid. That's something that's coming up now, that you could even use your car as an energy storage and an energy source for your building. And if you have quite a significant battery in your car and you have uh, maybe not such a big distance to go every morning, then it's it's absolutely thinkable, imaginable to come home with a pretty full battery and then use the battery in, at night to run everything that you need to run in your house and then still go back to work. And while you work, the car can charge. Of course, this requires some more consideration on a system design, but it is uh, by principle possible. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it, to think about the real potential of the industry moving forward into the uh, the future. And the future is uh, certainly something I want to talk about just before we wrap up on the program today, Thomas. Um, thinking about um, sort of the next 12 months initially, um, I'd be interested to kind of understand where you would like your businesses to go in sort of their journey forward and also where you'd like kind of the industry as a whole to be by maybe this time next year because it is important that we start to really take strides forward and mobilize all of this isn't it because the urgency really really is there right now yeah at the, at the moment I mean, i'm mostly working uh, for, for the european heat pump association at the moment so what we aim for this industry is the management of growth. In the past, I would argue we have been, or we have we have told all stakeholders about the benefits of heat pump technologies, have described the technology, have uh, outlined which application areas are feasible, where limitations are, and what you would need to do in order to deploy uh, to a much larger extent. After these uh, Caesars in the in the overall development of society, uh, notably the war, but also the the climate change um, development and the mm-hmm. pandemic. I think now we are looking much more at uh, at how to deploy the technology. So for the association, our work has changed from being, if I may say it loosely, a marketing agency to much more. And uh, a group that supports industrial development. We are discussing with DG, with the general directorate for energy and industry, and now we have to debate with them what we need in order to align the different pieces of legislation and make them fit for fast acceleration, for fast deployment, for fast growth. We see at the moment there is quite a few pieces of legislation that are conflicting and where we think that this alignment has not taken place. But we also see that the growth that we need 
And if, if you allow me, we are now looking at 2.2 million heat pump units that were sold in 2021. We think that about 20% additional growth is possible this year. So, so a careful estimate could lead to sales of 2.5, 2.6 million, maybe even 2.7 million at the end of 2022. But if you look at this, so that, that is already um, about 500,000 additional units. And that means that, that the industry has to add capacity on a planning level, on a component manufacturing level, and on an assembly level for the heat pump itself, plus on the installation level of about five to 10 big factories every year. Of course, it depends on how big these factories are. But this is something that, uh, that probably will not work on an organic growth path. It will certainly not work on a business as usual path. So our conclusion from this assessment is that we need to bring all actors together. We are asking for something like a heat pump accelerator, which is more like a strategy. It's really mm. sitting down together with everybody from legislation to research bodies to manufacturing bodies and to installer associations and, and ask ourselves, what do we really need to bring this industry forward? What do we really need? to accelerate growth to a level that could allow us to replace the dependency on oil and gas in heating by 2030-35. And of course, after that, as I said, I think if we are looking at 10 years of, of uh, growth that exceeds 20%, then the product quality will have reached a maturity that I cannot imagine that we would ever go back to other solutions. But yeah, that's the main challenge that, that mm. we see. We have to look at, as an association, we have to look at uh, focusing on the right areas and uh, ask for recognition on the political level to say that business as usual cannot bring us to where we have to go. So please, let's sit down. Let's uh, give heat pumps uh, a priority. Let's, let's, let's label them as crucial solutions for the energy transition and give them priority when it comes to 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 um, yeah to resource and provision. Absolutely right, and uh, I am very aware of the fact that over here in the uh, the UK, the government is looking at sort of a feasibility exercise to see how heat pumps can be brought into its sort of renewable energy strategy for the future. So let's certainly hope that we see some positive traction there, and indeed all across the continent and indeed the wider world, because. It is incredibly important that the industry does take strides forward. There is real potential here. And um, I think as well, Thomas, when we start to kind of see how the picture's unfolding, I'd love to even catch up and welcome you back onto the program to kind of discuss how far we've come in the time between our discussions, because it's been very enlightening having you join us today. You know, I have to say I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Wonderful. Thank you very much. It's been fantastic, Thomas, and by all means, do take care as well and stay safe with all going on. And as I say, be great to catch up in future. And you too. Thank you, Scott, for having me. And if there's any other questions, uh, please provide my contact details to the audience uh, that I'm happy to answer these. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, to anybody who may be interested in uh, what we've discussed on the podcast today, uh, by all means, do write into the Leaders' Council. You can contact myself by email at scott with two T's dot Chalinor, that's Charlie Hotel Alpha, Lima Lima, India November, Oscar Romeo at Leaders' Council with an IL dot co dot UK. And also, if you are a business owner yourself, member of an association or organization, and you feel you have your own story to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then you too can also join the program at leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and come onto the podcast to share that story with us. Until next time, to all of our listeners tuning in today, 
You've been listening to the Leaders Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner, and our guest interview today, Thomas Novak from the European Heat Pump Association. Please do take care all and goodbye.